bitch bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erica. And I'm Amy. And it's misogynist of the week time. <laughs> I was wondering how this misogynist of the week escaped us for so long, but he's here. Da 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 da. RPM Justin Trudeau. So take it away, Amy. Well, okay, so here's the thing. We don't need to remind everyone what's essentially been happening over the last couple months. All you need to know is that. Justin Trudeau keeps putting his foot in his mouth, to say the least. And we now kind of have seen who he really is underneath it all. Um, And I think why we want to have this conversation this week is because there's a lot of folks asking the question, um, how is it that, well, one, is Justin Trudeau a feminist? Is he a fake feminist? Which is just like a bullshit moniker come up coming from the uh, conservatives but from you know from the we're bullshitters being forced, we're being forced to address it so we'll talk about that but then the other question is you know how is it uh that his actions of removing jane felpott and jody wilson raybould from caucus misogynist isn't that they he removed them not because of their gender so what is it that you say when you say he's not a feminist or that he's being misogynistic and i think it's probably good to kind of break down those two things Yeah, I mean, I think that, first of all, um, there have been a lot of people running around here saying that um, that this has nothing to do with feminism and nothing to do with them being women. And one of the questions that was posed to you, Amy, was, well, exactly that. Um, If there if this were a man, uh, would have there been so much care taken in in um responding Mm -hmm. to these allegations i don't think that they took their time because these were women i think that they didn't have their shit together that's why they took so much time Mm -hmm. i think that their pr and their crisis management was just that crappy that they did not um they didn't have the personnel to actually deal with it in a way that would be um, that would enable them to move on from it, let's say. I mean, I just think the way that question is posed is is a bit flawed to begin with. I agree. Um, so essentially what happened was I think Justin Trudeau, I think it's partially true that they didn't want to remove them sooner because of how it was playing out in the media and because they had to some extent certainly Jody Wilson-Rabel, by the time she had testified, had already been a bit of a folk hero um, and was was doing very well and looking upon favorably in the polls. I think that was not because of gender. I think genuinely she uh, represented a lot for some people. And there may be a gender. Obviously, there was a gendered element, sorry, to that. But I don't think the fact that they delayed was because of gender, that they were sort of applying a softer approach to these two women. I think they delayed because they knew that it would not be favorable to them to oust them. I don't think it's what you're saying, Erica, that they were scrambling. I think it was a deliberate move because uh, they they thought, one, this issue will go away. And right now they have the popular upper hand. Um, and so they were waiting it out. I don't think that, I think that betrays the fact that they don't appreciate the significance of what 
the underlying and substantive nature of the scandal is. And I think they don't appreciate how much better the conservatives are doing generally at responding to this um, and playing this up and how much they're willing to lean into it. So just like tactically and operationally, I don't think that they were um, wise to what how this would all play. But I think definitely Jody Wilson-Raybould's polling and general, um, you know, regard and in, in the mainstream definitely was part of the reason for delay and they were waiting for the, like the moral quote-unquote upper hand or high ground and they think that they they believe that they got that with the recording and that's really the um auspice under which uh she was removed from caucus this right really a you know so-called egregious act that's you know beyond the pale or or whatever the, the recording minis- that proved the, the rec- that exactly well, what she was saying absolutely. was exactly what was, happened but you, yeah. you know that was there when yes to at yes least try to you know what they thought they gave them the upper hand and, and and they were wrong on that too tactically speaking um i think they've been trying to play this recording narrative now for a week and i don't know that it's quite taking hold i think a lot of people it gives you pause it's a little bit odd to have recorded him um but you know, people aren't dumb either. You hear the recording and I think it just sounds like, you know, every her story has been consistent from day one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've heard some people say, well, it sounds like she's speaking to the recording that she is and she's structured all of this to happen a certain way um, that that it was all deliberate. But there's really no evidence of that because to what end? Like, what does she gain from what is her motive and what does she gain from going public on any of this? Um, in such a way and the and the timing of the recording predates her removal from cabinet right so there's nothing to say that she was lashing out at the prime minister and therefore she for removing her in the beginning of january that's why she recorded the pc the clerk of pco in december so there's a lot of like you know like conspiracy theories that are kind of being floated around and kind of malign the like integrity of of these two women in particular but i think really the the more prescient question is why remove them from caucus at all um i don't think i I think it's really flawed that you could become nominated uh, well one you become a member of a party you become a the nominee for that party in a riding you then become the elected member of parliament you're sitting in caucus representing your riding um you know what what about your conduct in caucus determines when the prime minister can ask or, or sorry you know dictate your ouster um and there's no guidebook um you know we saw this prime minister kind of drag his heels at removing certain people um after sexual harassment sexual assault allegations um eventually he did it in some instances but uh you know that was and i think that's a legitimate reason to remove someone from caucus but it's not set out anywhere um and now you have suddenly you know this this breaking with uh, the confidence of the prime minister. I mean, what like which is leads he, us to the question: like, what did Jane Philpot do to deserve? Well, this, right? that is the big question. If that was the reason to kick her out of caucus, then why is Jane Philpot kicked out too? Secondly, why is Kent Hare still there? Yeah, exactly. That's that's the real. So, Mister yeah. Feminist Trudeau keeps somebody who was accused of sexual harassment, possibly assault. I'm I I don't, but definitely harassment. And he's yes, he was he was kicked out of caucus, but I mean, sorry, of cabinet, but he's still in caucus. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me. So basically what he's telling us is that Jody Wilson Raybould um, uh, recording her um, 
recording a colleague who she obviously didn't trust Mm -hmm. and apparently had was right not to trust absolutely because he got up there and say he didn't say exactly what he said Mm -hmm. that we all heard Mm -hmm. so that's one Mm -hmm. so number two that you're going to kick out another woman who supported her publicly because why yeah and i mean what the theory is it's because you know she was shopping around her story to mclean's and that's such bullshit but you know what like i again like there should be room for dissent within the liberal caucus or within any party caucus i don't think caucus is necessarily a reflection of the prime minister at all times because there has to be room and what the irony is this is the so-called big tent party that can't have that doesn't have space for these opinions you know what i like say what you will about the ndp but at least to some extent there is room for open dissent to the party even within caucus among caucus members right sometimes it doesn't play well but but you're but people are not afraid to not say anything and certainly there's a lot more um, diversity of opinion among membership of the MDP than you see, uh, at least, you know, in public spaces among liberal party, card carrying liberal party members. Um, and, and same with with the caucus. There's a lot more you have to toe the line. Conservatives also a little bit better at having some room for dissenting opinions. People who, you know, are on record as having, you know, different views than the leader of the day. Um, Michael now, Chang on climate change, for example. Um, you know, yeah. So going like the the difference of going out i mean i guess what they're saying is you know it's it's that they're going out and they're making a story out of this but honestly that's not on them like you have not handled this appropriately at all and i mean what jane philpott has has been saying this week is those have have all been mitigated with an apology from the beginning but what they what the liberals did and what they can't seem to take responsibility for is lie at every turn the story breaks and they say this never happened yeah you know, then they say, well, I have the full, the me and Jody Wilson-Raybould have, you know, a great relationship. We have the full trust of one another. Not true. You in you know, not true. And for whatever reason, that becomes clear. And, and then, then, you know, yeah. ev- you know, H- why didn't she come to me? Yeah. And why didn't she come to me? Broken I, trust. And yes. it's like, well, it turns out she did come to you multiple times and mm-hmm. you wouldn't you wouldn't listen. And he had that press conference where he was like, oh, well, I'm just this open book. You can come see me. This mm-hmm. is the climate I have. Mm-hmm. And then the next day is, and he was asked is actually, MP Selena. He was actually asked to yep. apologize at that press conference. He was. And he said, he, I'm not apologizing for this, but I am making an apology uh, in in uh, Iqaluit later today or wherever he was going mm-hmm, to make mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the apology to yep. um, Inuit folks and, and over some very serious tragedies. But that was also what I thought was really weird that he was like trying to make this equivalency with his, you know, on his reconciliation tour with what he was doing to these women. It's like you can kind of you like that's I thought that was really gross and pandering, but that's his whole thing has been very defensive and reactionary not giving apologies where apologies do are not owning certain things he could have been ahead of this scandal a long time ago and he was given every opportunity to well be. i go back to my pr comment like yeah. i go back to my comms it's yeah. like the reason it got to that point mm-hmm. where they had to make those calculations is because they didn't handle it on the front end mm-hmm. what would it have been to give just an apology and just say look I didn't realize this or whatever. Mm-hmm. I I didn't listen as much as I should. I apologize. I will try. You know what? Any anybody any smart comms PR person would have turned this into to a win in some way and would have said, 
and I'm just talking about the way it's been handled. And I'm not talking about the substance right now. Mm-hmm. And and say, okay, so going forward, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and we're going to do it publicly, and we're going to, um, you know, reinstate Jody Wilson-Raybould or whatever, whatever the case may be. They could have had a set of actions mm-hmm. that were positive mm-hmm. going into the election had they just bitten the bullet on their ego in the first place. Mm-hmm. And this is, to me, an example of when you called him petulant. Mm -hmm. This is an example of his ego being the head of the Liberal Party. Mm -hmm. It is Trudeau's ego that everybody is, um, you know, has to adhere to. Mm -hmm. And what it seems to me is that, especially if you're a woman who, who did not come up in, like, with the liberal like you're not oh, a sure. liberal I mean, this is the thing like that, to the bone yeah then you're an outsider yeah what the fuck is that? how different yeah. are you from the conservatives so you if you're being inc- you exclusionary playing out and it's so to answer the actual question of why the ouster of them from caucus of jody wilson Raybould and um and jane philpott and to some extent uh what i would say is not necessarily a uh of her own choosing you know to leave the caucus although that's what how you know she's she says she chose to leave but you know it seems like she was uh circumstances forced her hand to leave and be selena uh cesar Chavez is another example of this i what what i would say is what makes this a gender issue or issue of feminism is that there is a culture in partisan politics that requires um ideas and opinions to be said in a certain way um but that also who is that that certain individuals have been backing one another up and you really see the old boys club kind of play out in all of this from from the get because like whether it's you know the former clerk of pco calling the current clerk of pco to bail out his buddies who like at snc through to Jerry Butts and, you know, Trudeau's like bosom buddies, like, you know, grew up together, like, you know, born into privilege bullshit of reinforce, like reinforcing one another's positions and not putting anything in writing, deliberately trying to railroad, um, you know, a new like a, a new or relatively new minister to a very significant portfolio not just here but elsewhere um the parade of they've men. done time time and time again anyway all of which say that that's the culture of it that makes it um sexist mm-hmm. what you forgot the parade of men from yeah, finance from to finance everyone in pmo yeah and, and uh, all that that also tried to railroad her that sure. is sexist for sure and i just I, you know like not not taking her at her word and then you see the conduct that followed after of, of talking about her in in these um clearly like sexist coded language of she's difficult to work with and yeah. and, and racist frankly etc cetera, etc cetera. All of that is, is, is sexist behavior. It's, you know, I mean, je- like discrimination is not we removed her from caucus because she is a woman like that is a form. That's like a direct form of discrimination. Yeah. But there are d- indirect forms of discrimination. And they're so more prevalent. Where, that, and that's what that's really where discrimination lives and breathes mm-hmm. in our society mm-hmm. is through systemic or um, indirect discrimination, which right. is that the structures or a culture 
or certain actions that are informed by sexist or discriminatory views are allowed to happen. So even if you don't consciously do it, the end result is that it is discriminatory. Yeah. I would say that that's what's happened here because you look at these women who started out as, yeah, we've mentioned outsiders to the liberal party with careers that were not um, partisan careers and with not without backgrounds that aren't necessarily partisan um, and, and coming in and were frankly, I don't want to say used because they're, they're all three of them very competent and able in the portfolios that they ultimately held. But, you know, Trudeau set up a, uh, he set the stage and cast this, you know, like did casting for his, his, his cabinet with a certain lens in mind whether it was the, you know, gender parity cabinet, but also the, you know, having racialized people, having the first indigenous uh, um, minister of justice, that was all deliberate. They were cast for these roles. Yeah. And then they were t- in Trudeau's play. Yeah. Keep keep to the script that we tell you. And if you don't keep to the script and you think freely on your own, we're going to say, you you know, we're th- like, th- you know, we're going to shuffle you around or we're going to demote you or we're going to remove certain key duties that you were keen on working on that. I mean, that's tried and true mm-hmm. um, form of discrimination that you see in a lot of workplaces, which we would written about in this, in our citizen piece sort of is that that's the thesis of it. Mm-hmm. But that's the type of discrimination that we're seeing. And I think it's just like really discounting the experience that these women have a lot of people are saying well they aren't politically savvy well you know the liberal party may have done this for a long time this may be the liberal playbook is that you know you get along to play like whatever they like to- <laughs> I don't you're like you're you know you're you're just kind of you you have to play the game you know this is your your loyalty is everything is a, is is more important than your word and your deed mm-hmm. in partisan politics yeah um they're hyper partisan hyper partisan but you know jody wilson raybould came up in first nations politics that's right right so she she was a chief from bc like it's not like she's not politically astute she comes from a different political school right anybody who's saying that she's not political astute at this at this moment when she when look at where she is and look at where they are yeah i think that's informed by both racism and it is it is totally clearly she is um and she she got here on a lot of her own merit she's clearly competent she's um, you know, I mean, she may not have taken positions that everyone likes over the last four years. So we don't know which one of them came from PMO and which came from her or yeah. whatever else, but that's yeah. fine. Um, you're not going to love every minister. I certainly don't. Yeah. But uh, she's far from, she's certainly like w- very competent in what she does and is bringing a background and a history and a perspective, um, that is sorely needed in Canadian politics. And the Liberal Most Party's definitely. answer was, no, this is the script that we've been using for, you know, the entire history of this party and we're not going to deviate from it. Um, I think that's what's really troubling and that's what makes it um, not an inclusive party, not a feminist party. If a, femi- a feminist party cannot be one that, um, you know, doesn't doesn't evolve or allow for different views. Exactly. And I mean, you ha- to me, I was always put off when Trudeau referred to himself as a feminist and I think anyone Mm -hmm. who is a man in a position of power frankly any man in in of privilege at a certain level of privilege you have to hold extra scrutiny for when they use that that language because it's not it's one it's not a term that you have that is static and doesn't change it is a 
a political like for and it's a political term and it's a term that's rooted in social movements that do not start with men and certainly don't end with men like it is political movements of you know um women gen gender non-conforming folks queer folks like you know racialized women really are at the helm of what we know as feminism and and what today um in our conception of it and that conception that continues to evolve so why are why are we even letting the prime minister dictate what is or isn't feminist because there are there are organizations run by women who claim to be feminists giving him that space preparing that space for him and kicking off other voices so that they can prepare the welcome mat for the great justin trudeau and I've seen this so many times and I have spoken about it. And the thing about it is, is that this is how even women's organizations plays into misogyny. And um, don't at me on this. Uh, I will say it again. And the other thing, too, is that some of the markers of misogyny that I saw, number one, Jerry Butts. Mm -hmm. Jerry Butts rolled up into the Justice Committee with basically his phone and that's it. Mm -hmm. He had no evidence to back up his claims. He had he he had a wink with the way he even talked to the panel was gross. It was just slimy and sleazy. So there's that. Um, but the fact that her Jody Wilson Rabel's te- uh, testimony that was filled with copious notes, detailed summaries, et cetera, et cetera, evidence was equated to Jerry Butts rolling in and saying, well, you know, the guys at PMO, I know them. They wouldn't do something like that. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. That yeah, is essentially an example as a character witness for his buddies. Yes. Yeah. And that is playing into that old boys network. Yeah, too. absolutely. Second absolutely. of all, you're going to tell a woman that she needs a second opinion when she's the fucking attorney general. Really? Would you do that with a man? If you want something as simplistic as would you X for if you were a man? That is exactly it. The way that they paraded people around to harass her to change her opinion which you know it, then it rolled into well you should seek another le- other legal advice what i mean the the way to have asked for a second opinion i mean it, there there's space for it, but i don't think it comes from pmo right dictating to the minister or ag frankly who's the really the authorizing person for this mm-hmm. uh that they need a second opinion but it's also the way that they did it and then even i mean i don't really buy the narrative that they care about a second opinion because they essentially told her that they didn't care about legalities they mm-hmm. didn't want to hear about the law yeah um and when people say they want a second opinion like let me just let you in on a little something you can get an opinion for anything you fucking want yeah they'll like, oh, find someone yeah so you know a that's sec- basically we found somebody who does Ab- not agree with you absolutely so you need to talk to i mean them. everything yeah. is debatable yeah. frankly yeah whether or not you want to sec- say like you're gonna you can get a second opinion like sure you got the second opinion is that opinion one that you should rely on and what's your assessment of the risk of proceeding that way and i think what her she's saying in the recording and what she testified yep. to is like this will be damaging i'm protecting you right. there is no way this will that. play out well i've seen essentially she's saying i've seen the stuff 
that we're preparing to argue in this case. I know what the prosecutor's ready, what they have. It's a strong case, and we should, like, essentially, you know, it's we are better served by pursuing it than than letting them off for for whatever reason. That's a judgment that I think you want to favor, and it's not necessarily about legally can you do X, Y, or Z. It's right. whether or not you should. And, you know, I mean, as the person who's bringing the case... I think the AG is the one who can only who is the only one who can answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's same with the we're going to line up op. It's like they didn't give a fuck about legalities. They cared about public opinion. This is the thing that's at the heart of all this. They cared about their electoral success in the upcoming ele- election. Mm-hmm. And that's the one quote that still lingers that's never really been um challenged right um and even trudeau said like yes i said that because i you know i i have to care about workers and and whether or not they still have jobs except now we know that there were frankly no jobs on the line that that was bullshit that there was no evidence that there would be job losses in fact quite the opposite snc wasn't going anywhere so i mean it, it's just completely ridiculous that we're still debating a lot of these things um, because so much of it was all, like it's so plainly said in her evidence. But every day the liberals come up with something new to try to discredit her that really, frankly, just highlights how credible she was to begin with. Yeah. Um, you know, recently they put out her text messages with Lem- uh, uh, when Lemonetti took over the position of AG and mm-hmm. Minister of Justice. Um, and she's, I guess, say they're deciding, you know, who's moving from which office and she wants to keep her t- chief of staff and all that. And, you know, she asked, like, well, you know, is he going to maintain my position on SNC? Right. And they're saying, well, look, isn't that political interference? And it's like, well, no, that's the former AG saying, I am interested in knowing whether you'll maintain the decision I made under my authority at that time. That's not quite political interference. I mean, you can argue that. But really what it tells me is that she, as she had said at the beginning, has always maintained that she felt she was being pushed out because of her views on SNC. And that was the first thing on her mind when she was removed to the point that she asked that question point blank. But every day they're just trying to chip away at her credibility. Like, you know what? Good fucking luck. You sold us this myth that you stood for something. We all bought it for some reason because we wanted some some modicum of hope in what had we been were a very coming out of Harper period Hayes. of time. We were coming out of Harper Hayes. And we needed, they took we advantage needed the promise And they took, the adva- took advantage of indigenous voters and, and, and non and not just voters but that's clearly how they see uh indigenous people i mean watching that clip of trudeau responding to the protester about grassy narrows listen to the full clip he repeats again and again thank you for your donation to the liberal party of canada not contribution not any of these like other things people are bullshitting about online they listen to it it literally says in plain english like yeah Thank you for your contribution. He was mocking them. And and then he says, you know, it's be uh, you know, this is why we care about reconciliation, but thank you for your donation to the Liberal Party of Canada. That's how they see people in this country. They you know, it's not they don't give a fuck about indigenous people. Um, as Romeo Saganash eloquently said in the house, yes. I support him forever for saying that he does not give a fuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Prime Minister Trudeau is concern is not that of a prime minister's it's that of the lib- leader of the liberal party of canada yeah and advancing his political his political yeah his his, pol- his political hold yeah into you know uh 
elections ahead. Yeah. Um, it's not, the, he does not see people beyond that. And I think that's exactly how he feels about women and feminism. Feminine, feminism, now, just even when people say, oh, is this hurting the liberals' feminist brand or the liberal brand? Like, why the fuck is feminism and liberal in the same sentence, first of all? Because that offends me why profoundly. Why is feminism and brand but, in the same sentence? But why sentence? is feminism and brand in the same sentence? I agree. That That is like chilling um it's been completely co-opted but the reason he uses is the same reason that corporations use feminism to sell you shit yeah and what he's trying to sell you is donations to the liberal party of canada like, yeah that's the game yeah that's the game that they're playing and you know what there are two bold people who left their positions in cabinet very senior positions to respond to those views what this is also revealed is who he is as a leader he yells at women who yep. report to him. Yeah. He ra- raises his voice, berates people, does not make it well. It's not a welcoming. It's not um, offering space for for criticism or feedback. Even Wernick's response is Trudeau feels a certain way today. So, you know, he's going to get what he wants. That is terrifying. I found that very scary. And I found that very that was something that stuck to me. Because I know, like, who, like, I know bosses like that. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you, it let me know that the environment was hostile Mm -hmm. to women, Mm -hmm. to people of color, to anybody who is not a part of that so-called um, interior liberal brand. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing. Like, the look at these people, the people that we're talking about. First time elected, awesome women, stepping up, sold to us as being part of this new liberal way. Yep. And none of them have survived it. None of these three have survived it. They're not going to be liberals. And if they're running again, they're not going to be liberals. Um, and what's so concerning about that is the people who are still in that close inner circle remain, um, you know, the Bill Moore knows of the world, like the true Ugh. born in partisans. Yeah. I mean, even of privilege, of partisans privilege. of privilege and the folks towing the line. And that's not to say there aren't new elected folks who are still there, but they're on a script and you hear them being scripted. Yeah. And the one that pisses me off the most, and it's not about her in particular, because I frankly, I have empathy for her. I don't think it's deliberate, but Miriam Munsef was the first example of this, of this, trudeau feminist style of take giving a woman a portfolio that was important and under a lot of public scrutiny and essentially undermining her at every turn letting her wear all of it totally uh, you know and and she has no fucking clue by the way and mistreating her staff and all of these other things that i've heard that are frankly pretty upsetting um and you know, and kind of tossing her aside. And now he's using her as a punch, like as not a punchline, but as the, uh, you know, a she, buffer. she's the buffer. She, she now has to wear everything. And, you know, he gives this speech at daughters of the vote this week where, you know, how, it's so difficult to, this is supposed to be, let's just set it up. This is supposed to be his like almost not, I wouldn't say it was supposed to be a Mia Copa, but like it was supposed to be him rebuilding trust with women on the day after he kicks these two women out from right. out of caucus. Right. right? This everyone 
eyes glued on this speech right. to the 338 women taking their seats in the House. Yeah. More rep- more representative of Canada than any parliament we've ever had, aside from the gender <laughs> breakdown. But in terms of other t- forms of representation, just like really powerful stuff from all across the country, giving just and they had ju- and they had just gone through giving their very profound and and brilliant statements on substantive it was issues. So, so beautiful. And, oh. and honestly, like thought provoking and also heartbreaking because a lot of yep. them were about how the Canadian state is failing. Yep. Um, racialized people, yep. um, Muslim folks, and of course, um, you know, First Nations, Aboriginal, Inuit, and Métis Ugh, people, I just, oh and gosh, in yes. in very like systematic colonial ways, and very sobering. Anyway, to hear that and to yeah. hear it from people living it who have a lived experience taking their place in the house, and then in rolls Justin Trudeau. He's supposed to like set it all straight. He's supposed to, you know, again set it. And he, what does he say? He no one, met. no one wants to. No, no one wants to choose. Between who is right, whether it's Jody Wilson-Raybould or Maryam Munsef or well, Jane like, Philpott <laughs> or Christian Freeland. And like, you're like, like one, what? what? Also, why are you dragging Christian Freeland, Freeland and Maryam Munsef, Munsef into your pit? You, it, why? We're trying to decide whether you're the liar in this whole thing. Yes. Yes. Did you shuffle just because Scott Bryson left? Did you actually have these co- say that you were the member from Papineau and that's why you wanted this different? Like you're the liar that we're trying to unmask, right? <laughs> it's know. why are you dragging these other women into this nonsense? Oh just my gosh! Fucking and out of nowhere, and it, he's angry. It's vitriolic. Like watching it made my he skin was crawl. shook. I he, was just like he was so defensive. Yeah. And then that line. This is the one that kills me. I'm just going to say, and then you can go ahead. rip it apart. You can't have diversity without trust. What? Yeah. A wild. What is that? That doesn't even make sense to me. It it, it really shows you um, what he thinks diversity and inclusion means. And you've seen it throughout. He... In, in his treatment of both Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott and how liberals have been talking about them. They are ungrateful. Yeah. They should be, you know, you wouldn't be here but what, for, for us. But for me. I made you who you are. Exactly. the of all this. Exactly. And then from the beginning, he says this is about You trust. have nothing without me. You <laughs> came to me with nothing. I gave you something and now I'm kicking you out where you will have nothing again. That is exactly it. They, he thinks that he can kick these women out and they are outside of the bubble and they have no voice and they are nothing. They're disposable. He treated yeah. women as disposable objects. Mm-hmm. That is misogyny. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can't have diversity with it. What does what does that? E- well, what? it totally removes power from the equation. Like, first of all. Even from the beginning when he talked about when he first gave his first press conference that we were mentioning earlier, where he kind of fesses up and says, yes, I had this conversation with Jody Wilson-Raybould. Clearly, there was a, a, a relationship of trust had been broken. Once that framing was out there, I kind of at first I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. He's owning the part of him as a leader. And he says that, you know, as a leader, I wanted I need I should have been better at, you know, working right. on my relationships with right. the people reporting to me, essentially, which I which there's room for that. Yeah, but, I thought that was 
pretty good okay but the way he said it at daughters of the vote now we know his view of trust is and he says essentially more or less word for word that trust is a in diversity is a two-way street well no no that's not how diversity works you are the man yes like the man yes you are the colonial power you are the like running this like fucking in, operation like, like in every sense in of the word like he came the into this world as the man and you uh, well, what trust do you need from community from communities that are historically been disenfranchised or communities that have been you know left out of politics we're talking about the first indigenous you know minister or justice attorney general like what trust do you need from her, that community or from her that you didn't get that you feel you needed in your position of power? We also, owe you nothing. We owe you nothing. We don't owe you trust. Trust is earned. You have not earned it. Even though you got it somewhat and then you fucked up and now there's nothing. Also, there like it tri- like to say that tr- trust is a two way street when there are these like his That's inherent both sides-ism. power imbalances. Yeah, is just a way to do, to uh, shut aside any challenges to uh, system like questioning the system, questioning the power structure. You can't call power in like you can't challenge power if power is t- t- if if the, you know the person in charge thinks power is a two-way street it's like it's not though you're but, the one with all the cards but this is the thing i think in sort of the analysis of this the whole idea of power and power systems and power structures and relationships has been left out of the conversation and you can't have a conversation about inclusion and diversity without first recognizing what those power structures are who has the power in this in this situation and how they are using how they're wielding that power and what it seems like to me is that that power in PMO the 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 power that PMO wielded Mm -hmm. was above and beyond everyone else Mm -hmm. and that it was centralized control and command Mm -hmm. and that is not a different way of doing public uh, politics that's the same old boys club mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. so i don't know what what trust he thinks we should have in him mm-hmm. when he's already shown us who he is are we supposed to ignore him mm-hmm. are we supposed to ignore that if if so then then we have nothing to talk about because that's just stupid and Basically, as usual, you are a dictating to people. Can you imagine man's the man mansplained and white splained diversity to the most diverse, the most diverse assembled in the House of Commons? Thank you. Okay, that's just insulting. I mean, you can absolutely, absolutely in that context. I mean, it's just it's it's wild, and I mean. I guess he's essentially saying diversity can't exist unless it serves the powerful. Yes. Or unless it serves me. Otherwise, diversity is is nothing but for a, some sort of two-way mutual ben, mutually beneficial exchange. Which is, It's transactional yeah. is it's what like, he's saying. Yeah. It, and you, we are just, age, we're, we're not even agents of his transaction. We are the transaction. That's it. 
were nothing better than objects that he could move around to build his power. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what diversity is to him. That's what feminim- blah, blah, feminism is to him. That is what racialized people are to him. That's what indigenous people are to him. That's what we all are. Mm-hmm. We're all pieces on the board that he can move around to consolidate his power mm-hmm. and influence. Thank you for your donation. On that note, we will see you next week. (laughs) Join us online in between at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash bad and be podcast, Twitter at bad and bitchy, Instagram at bad and bitchy pod, email bad and be pod at gmail.com. And thank you for your donation at patreon.com forward slash bad and bitchy. Bye. 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 Bye.